Welcome to Church is Messy with Rick Henderson. In each episode of this podcast, we will examine and discuss some of the difficult, challenging, and often messy topics associated with church and Christianity and our faith. Whether you are curious, skeptical, and unsure about Jesus, or new to church, or maybe even a longtime devoted follower, this podcast is designed to bring the message of the gospel to the everyday messes of life. Hello, and welcome to the Church's Messy Podcast. I'm Svea Mary, Autumn Ridge's spiritual formation pastor, and I am delighted to be back with Rick Henderson this morning to talk a little bit more, continue the conversation yeah. about last week's message. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Svea. You doing well? Yeah, absolutely. We okay. get to uh, to go a little deeper into some really powerful content, let alone the fact that this is Holy Week. Easter is coming at the end of this week. What could be better? I know. After uh, the the message was heavy, and and I got to tell you, I it was. If, if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I, I want to ask you to. If you really want to, um, really drain all the marrow out of this podcast mm. episode, if there is some. <laughs> but I mean, if you want to get the most out of what might be available to you in this podcast, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the message. Mm-hmm. If you haven't, uh, you can do that uh, in podcast form, or, or you can do that on, on YouTube. Uh, but it was heavy. And you know, I gave it three times. And it's not like I became more emotionally detached. Each mm-hmm. time I gave it, I felt the emotions heavier each time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that The last message, uh, someone who works on staff came up to me and said, I, I I felt like I heard your voice crack in that last one. I said, you did. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I'm feeling the weight of this. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it, you can't just turn, you can't just turn that off. I don't think I could have given a, a, another message. I just felt pretty, pretty heavy, but. Well, wasn't it Dwight Moody said something to the effect of you shouldn't speak about hell without tears in your eyes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I totally resonate with that, especially with my experience this past weekend. But, um, this week being Holy Week and looking mm. forward to celebrating um, Easter Sunday, we got a snapshot a little bit. We got a glimpse of how the service is going to start yeah. on Easter Sunday. I'm so excited. Uh, I'm ready to celebrate. I'm ready to focus squarely on everything about Jesus's grace and getting what I don't deserve yeah. instead of having to take a wide-eyed look at what we do deserve. And so um, I'm getting a little like- bit ahead of myself. We're not quite in the... We're not right... <laughs> Quite ready to get into the into the guts of, uh, of of the of the content yet, but that's kind of where that's how I'm thinking about right now. Well, it's almost like you planned this to uh, to get our minds thinking a little bit about the solemnity of death and yeah. hell and the reality as we're prepared to celebrate. Yeah, I Jesus's guess that's just victory. a coincidence. We don't do a lot of planning around here. It's just kind of like on Saturday. What should we talk oh, about? Oh, come on, <laughs> that's not even close to true. <laughs> So, hey, I feel like we need to give people a heads up. Next week, um, we're going to allow ourselves to catch our breath after Easter. We're still going to have an episode that drops. It may not drop until late in the day on Wednesday, maybe not even until Thursday. Mm -hmm. So we're going to ask people just to be a little bit uh, patient. It's a slight hiccup, not a major hiccup in uh, when the next episode comes. Well, we'll look forward to that. So this topic of hell, like we said, it is it is a solemn topic. It's a oh, difficult yeah. one to go into. And I so appreciated in the message that you acknowledged up front that it's a topic that pushed you to the limits of your bravery to talk about it, but yes. not necessarily for the reason that people might expect. Yeah. Would you just say a little bit more about that and kind of recap that? Because I think it's a helpful perspective to start our discussion. Sure. It doesn't at least for me, I'm, I'm just going to describe my experience. I, I, I don't want to describe the experience of other people uh, or other other pastors for sure. But 
talking about hell doesn't make me uncomfortable or nervous. Uh, this is something that Jesus talked about quite frequently, um, and because he was so clear in how he talked about it, and I'm convinced that everything that he has to say uh, helps us understand the good news mm-hmm. uh, of all that is available in him. So I want to talk about what he talked about, too, that there there is good news to be had. The reason that, um, that I might feel hesitant or, or needing a little extra courage is because I know how it lands with people. Mm-hmm. Because people start thinking about relatives or, or, or dear friends, yeah. maybe a spouse, maybe even a child, people who they, who they care about, maybe who have passed away and they don't know mm-hmm. if they trusted in Jesus and they're wondering, are you talking about where my loved one is right now? Mm-hmm. Are you talking about where my loved one might be going? Are you messing with what I want to be true about Jesus mm. versus maybe what actually is true about Jesus. Uh, oh my goodness, there's, I mean, people, I know people brought friends with them to church on Sunday. Mm. And um, and that can be a, all right, now I know what we're talking about at lunch today. Now yeah. I know what we're talking about, and, I, and I'm nervous. I don't know if I feel ready to talk about it. I recognize all of that. And so if there's any hesitancy or even the word insecurity to describe my approach to that, it's because I know that everybody is experiencing it from a different spot, and there are a lot of emotions that come with it. Yeah. And, and I care about that, and I, and I don't want to be cavalier with but what I, people are I feeling. I appreciate your willingness to just boldly approach the truth of the topic, because not talking about it doesn't make the emotion go away. It just makes it a little bit more difficult to even know how to process it. So sure. I'm glad that we're taking this opportunity mm-hmm. to just discuss it, to talk about the truth of the subject, to talk about it as Jesus talked mm-hmm. about it. Like you said, it's a topic that Jesus talked about frequently, yeah. and there's a good reason for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the place where we could begin right now is is talking about the reason why Jesus spoke about it so sure. frequently, and that's because it is the people who believe in the name of Jesus that will be spared the reality of hell. That's right. That's right. And so I want to kind of backtrack and try to do like a 30,000 foot view uh, before we before we get into get into the weeds. And, Sounds good. Uh, guys like Tim Keller obviously have been very helpful uh, to me. I think C.S. Lewis is incredibly helpful. If you haven't read The Great Divorce, read The Great Divorce. Mm, yeah, I think that book. that would be I think that would be really helpful uh, for folks. Um, and remember, he's just and, he's a flawed clear, guy. The Great he's Divorce not, is not a book about marriage and the ending of a marriage. But that's about... right. That's right. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for that. Uh, <laughs> Oh my goodness! I'm self-editing right now. Just getting 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 back to the getting back to the topic. One of the things that people who come to Autumn Ridge regularly they'll hear me say from time to time: ultimate reality is ultimately about relationships. Mm. This is why we have to treat the 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 concept of the Trinity is not as some negotiable abstract thing that Christians believe, but it is it's a fundamental part of what we believe. Understanding who God is, God mm-hmm. is eternally a community of persons. He is one in being, three in persons, and we're not going to really get into the weeds of that right now. But it's important to acknowledge, and we are made in His image. Mm. We are made to reflect what He is like, and we are made for Him and to be with Him. And God has been in community in relationship, in friendship for all eternity, and we are made for community. We are made for relationship. We're made for friendship. And people who are in hell are people who have said, I do not want you. Mm. I want me. I don't want you. And they experience 
on a trajectory into infinity, as Tim Keller says, what it's like to be isolated, cut away from the source of life, cut away from any foundation for relationship or community or friendship. And Jesus does not want that for people. Mm-hmm. He he wants life and joy yeah. and wholeness for people to the extent and the way that I described it on Sunday is that he bathed himself in hell. He took on for the joy set before him, as the writer of Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising all the shame that came with it, taking on the full weight of God's wrath so that we could be forgiven, so that we could find life in him, so that we could be restored to true community and relationship and friendship for which we were designed. And Jesus's heart beats for you. Mm. He loves you. And he knows that you and I do not have a hope for life and joy Mm. and meaning apart from him. I appreciate you bringing that out because I think one of the common objections to hell, Mm -hmm. and you touched on this a little bit, it's this feeling like it's just not fair. Sure. But what you're bringing out here is almost the opposite side of that coin of it's not fair what Jesus had to do, what he did for us, what he took on himself, so that we're actually not receiving what would be fair for us. That's right. And this this subject matter really forces us to get honest with what do we think about our own sin? Mm. And I imagine some people might have said, Rick, the illustration you used of the Stanford rape case is unfair. How dare you equate my lifestyle to that of a rapist? Mm. Well, I can understand if someone felt offended by that. Certainly an emotional thing that you pointed to. Oh, yeah. Very it, effective. Yes. I, I mean, I, I don't think it's... It's not easy to be casual in that moment. No. And And I could tell people were leaning in. Where are we going with this? And this is the point. Um, I'm not saying that you're as bad as a rapist or, or anything like that. Part of an under, a biblical understanding of sin is we are all continually falling short of God's glory. Mm-hmm. And we are, by nature... This is just what comes naturally to us, hostile, resistant to God and his goodness and his authority. Um, you know, the Apostle Paul said, you know, we're enemies. Yeah. <laughs> and our default is to be is to be is to be enemies. So even when we do good things, yeah. even um Apart from Christ, if I'm not a believer in Christ and I, and I give generously and I do kind things and I'm hospitable and I serve the poor and all of that kind of thing, I'm doing that from a disposition of, God, I don't need you. I am good enough on my own. And so let's kind of, let's, let's dig into this a little bit more. If that doesn't sound deeply problematic to someone, think about this with me. Imagine, uh, imagine a child, um, who reaches reaches teen years? Um, they've got a they've got a room down in the basement, and and life is life is good. They've got parents who've who've loved them and are providing for them, and that child just stops talking to mom and dad, stops mm-hmm. saying thank you to mom and dad, mm-hmm. stops uh, engaging with the family, lives as though they are entitled to everything he or she receives, everything that they get, but becomes utterly relationally disconnected, treats mom and dad as though they don't even exist, mm-hmm. and that this that this person is utter and the child acts as though they're utterly self-sufficient and yet continues to demand that they get the good things from mom and dad. Yeah. Would we say something horrible has gone wrong in the heart and mind of that child? 
Yeah, it's both highly hurtful to the parents as well as highly toxic behavior on the part of the child. Now imagine that teenager continues on into adulthood and continues to act the same way. We would say that is grievous. Mm -hmm. That is the height of arrogance and entitlement. And you are breaking the heart of the one who gave you life. Mm -hmm. That is a tiny glimpse into what our life is like when we say, I can do what I want. I can come up with my own moral rules. I can live my whole life. I don't need you and I don't want you. Mm -hmm. That is a deep offense to a perfectly, infinitely loving, good, holy, and beautiful God. Yeah. And we have to reckon with, we have to reckon with that. And we can't think of sin simply as, oh, I did a bad thing. I heard someone say one time, sin isn't just breaking the rules, it's picking teams. <laughs> and it is essentially a disposition of, I don't want you and I don't need you. Now that's expressed through various behaviors, but the behaviors are not the real issue. The issue is a fundamental disposition. I'm good enough on my own. Yeah. And hell is God responding to people saying, I'll allow it. All right. So you're describing someone who has had a chance to mm -hmm. hear about God and has chosen to reject him, either mm -hmm. deliberately or just by lifestyle or, or mm -hmm. personal attitudes. What about the case of people who maybe have never heard of Jesus? Is there is there hope for them? I know that's that's at the root of, yeah, that's of what question. some people call universalism and this idea that yeah. uh, that people who have never heard the name of Jesus yeah. may still have a, a chance by nature of not having ever deliberately rejected Jesus. Yeah. How does that fit into It would this? be unfair to try and put the full weight of a biblical worldview into the brief time that we have in, in this podcast. So I'm going to allude to a few things. I'm just going to acknowledge them, and then we're going to dig into that a, a, a little bit more. Um, part of a biblical understanding of life uh, and, and all of reality is that uh, God has put eternity in the hearts of people, um, that we have a sense that even if we disagree on what right and wrong is, that we know that there are things that are right and they, there are things that are wrong and they transcend us. Mm -hmm. uh, there are things about God that are communicated through the natural world and that leads people up to a certain point. Sure. We all have enough that we are without excuse. Which We're, is the basis of Romans 1, correct? That's right. We all have enough that we are responsible. We are culpable uh, for our actions, right? Um, so those are important things. We probably—I know that there are people listening right now, and they're like, "I need you to dig into that more." Don't have time to dig into that more. But let's talk. Excuse me, a little bit more about what you asked. What about people who who don't know? Um, let's be honest about something. The Bible—I believe everything in the Bible is true. I don't believe everything that's true is in the Bible. Okay, say that again. Okay, I believe everything that's in the Bible is true. Uh -huh. I trust that God's word, what we have, what you go, what you can read online, what you can go and buy from a bookstore, is uh, without error in all that it intends to teach. Right? I don't believe everything that is true is contained in the Bible. Okay, sure. like I can't study geometry or medicine or accounting. Yep. <laughs> right in, in in the Bible, I have to go. I have to go to. To, to other sources. So there are things about life, and there are things about reality, there are things about decisions that God's made, and the thing, the way that he interacts with people, and things he's going to do, that he hasn't spelled out for me with mm -hmm. clarity in his word. There are just questions that are left unanswered. Mm -hmm. And but, he, 
but the most important things are. This is why it's so fundamentally important to remember something that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to, to a young pastor that he was mentoring, that God's Word has everything you need for life and godliness. Mm-hmm. Everything that we need is there. And so why do, what do we need? Why do, what, what do we need to know with this situation? What mm-hmm. about people who haven't heard? Let's go back to Psalm 98. Mm. God is good and he is fair. But we know even more. He is, he is infinitely loving we, he is holy, um, and he is gracious. And so however God responds to people who have not been able to hear the gospel message as clearly as I've heard it, mm-hmm. or as clearly as everybody got to hear it this weekend, however God responds to that person, it will be good, it will be just, and it will be fair. Mm-hmm. And how God responds to people will be better than what I would do, more just than what I would do, and more loving than what I would do. Mm-hmm. Now I know. Here's a follow-up question. You see are it you saying? <laughs> are you saying that there's a way that people are saved outside of knowing about Jesus? No, there's not. We know that too. That there's no other name by which people can be saved. Jesus right. said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." I mean, it's not. He didn't say I'm a way. He didn't say I'm a pretty good way. He said, "I am the, the way. way." Yeah. Um. Now, I affirm that without hesitation, without qualification. Um, I know people who were raised uh, in Muslim countries and, and, and Muslim cultures. I'm actually going to be spending time uh, with one of these friends uh, in a few weeks when I go to go to Ghana. Yeah. Um, had a dream about Jesus and the gospel, changed his life, forced him to go to a church, get more clarity on the gospel, gave his life to Christ, and this guy's planted like a gajillion churches since yeah. then. Well, and there's all kinds of missionary yeah. stories to that effect where people are... Mm-hmm just clamoring to understand about this. They, they believe in the mm-hmm. presence and the reality of a God, mm-hmm. but praying that someone would come and tell them more of what they're searching for, and someone does. So let me and, ask you this question. What passage can you look to in the New Testament that says, listen, when the gospel hasn't made its way into a culture yet, there, there just aren't missionaries there yet, there yeah. aren't churches there yet, there's not a Christian community there yet. Listen, you can count on the fact that God's going to give someone a dream and give them enough information to push them to get connected with people who do have the gospel so they can give their life to Christ. Yeah. Is there a passage Romans that... Romans 10, how beautiful are the feet of the one who comes to share the good news. Yeah, but there's nothing in there about God giving people dreams that causes them to, <laughs> that causes them to trust in Jesus. And so, I, I listen... All I'm saying is, is that God has the ability to get his love to people that is beyond my ability to imagine mm. or, or, or even understand. Mm-hmm. And so I trust that the way of knowing God through Jesus can be brought by God to people that's outside the, that expands the boundaries of my imagination. That's all I'm mm. saying. I'm not mm-hmm. saying there's another way other than Jesus. I'm just saying God loves people and he's going to get his message to people. And the good news is, is that he's commanded us and invited us into that process. Mm -hmm. Let me be clear, because I know some people are like, wait a second, did I hear what I... I'm not saying there's a way outside of Jesus. Right. I'm not saying that there's another gospel or there's a back door into heaven. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying God is so big and so powerful and so good and so loving and so awesome. Yeah. That he is going to make sure that everyone has everything that they need, and we get to be a part of it. Um, and I want to be a part of it. That's amazing. Yeah. 
Can we maybe shift gears a little bit? We've just touched on some of the the exciting beauty of God's sovereignty in Mm -hmm. saving people, but the sad reality is not everyone is saved, and and the emotion-laden content of this topic, as you touched on when we first started talking, is probably because most of us can think of someone that we know who died without believing Mm -hmm. in Jesus, and that, uh, that makes this topic a difficult one for many. Can we talk a little bit about that, about the pain of knowing that a loved one will not be spending eternity with us in heaven? Yeah. Um, Let me get you going that's a, that's, with, with the story. That, that's here's, a heavy hair. Go ahead. Here, here's one that, that happened in my own family. My grandparents were not believers. They did not attend church. They mm-hmm. really were not interested in any matters of God. My grandmother passed away when I was... Um, just out of college, and uh, and a couple years after her death, I had spoken with my grandfather on several occasions about faith and mm-hmm. about my faith, and and he began softening to matters of God and beginning to express some interest. He even started attending a, a church. Now it was a rather liberal church, and sure. I don't know for sure if he ever came to faith mm-hmm. or not. But in one very stark conversation, he and I were talking about the reality of heaven and hell, mm-hmm. and. And, uh, and I've never quite gotten over what he said. He said that he was in, inhibited from believing in the reality of heaven and hell, because if he had to acknowledge that his wife of over 50 years was not going to be in heaven, he wasn't sure he wanted to go there without her. And for her, for him, that that was mm. a stumbling block to even mm. wanting to believe in God and potentially receive his own salvation to be separated from his wife. If we care about relationship, I think we have to begin with just saying that emotional experience and being in that place is understandable, mm-hmm. right? Um, grieve with him, love with him, um, just kind of validate those feelings. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um at some point, at some point, we have to pivot to what is true, right? Um, our emotions don't tell us what's true about the external world. Our emotions tell us about what's going on inside of us. Mm. They're gauges to give us indications on what's going, what we believe, what we think, what's happening inside of us. Our emotions are not a GPS telling us about what's true about the outside world. They're gauges about what's happening in, internally. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so we have to acknowledge that. We have to, we have to respond, we have to, we have to, respond to, to those things and take them seriously. But at some point, we have, to, we have to get honest with ourselves about, well, what is true? If it is, well, I'd rather be with my loved one separate, we're both separated from God, versus not being with them in heaven. What you have to understand is neither option really allows you to be with that loved one. Mm, Say more about that. Hell is isolation. Mm. You are utterly removed Mm. from God and all others. It is utter isolation. So it's not, hey, you know what, we're going to be in this difficulty, but we're going to be together. Mm -hmm. It's not that. It's alone. It's separated from God. So let's Let's be clear about that. Mm-hmm. Let's just be let's be clear about what it is what it is that that we're, that we're that we're choosing. That's very helpful. But let me let me say something else. 
Um, there, I know a man, very similar story, and that's the thing that actually caused him to leave the religion that he grew up in and the country that he grew up in hmm. to become a follower of Jesus. So it's kind of like suffering. It causes some people to reject God. It causes other people to turn to God. Sure. All right. What we're talking about, these are, they're important. Um, they're, they're relevant because it's your, it's your experience, but they're not indicators of truth. Sure. Right. How we respond to that one thing is important, but how we respond isn't, isn't an indicator of how we should respond. Yeah. It's simply, this is how we this is how we respond to that same scenario. It causes some people to turn to Jesus, causes some people to to resist Jesus. So what do we do now? This is why we need truth. Mm. Truth is so incredibly important. Here's an aspect of truth: that person who you love, that person who loves you, who's on the other side of eternity, they know, they know what's there, and because they love you, they would want you to be ready for eternity mm. as well. Mm-hmm. So would you, I'm not asking you to downplay or ignore your love for that person. I'm asking you to really lean in. Mm-hmm. I'm asking you to really lean into that person's love for you because they know what waits on the other side. That concept actually came out in the passage that you used yes. in this message in Luke 16, mm-hmm. when even this rich man was mm-hmm. pleading for someone to go and warn his brothers he wants them to fully recognize before they die what he was too late to recognize. That's right. And it, it, there's an irony there. Um, some people might even call it a, a contradiction. I, I'm going to right now, I'm going to put it in the paradox bucket. Okay. Um, and, and it's this. While he's in hell and Abraham reminds him of all the good things that you received in life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do anything to soften his heart towards the goodness of God. Yeah, it doesn't do anything to cause him to say, woe is me, I was wrong, I can't believe how deluded and blind I was, yeah, God is good, there. is there any hope for mercy for me? Nothing. Mm-mm. He stays resolute in his defiance, and yet there is still an affection and a desire for his brothers. Mm-hmm. No affection. For God Himself, yeah, no gratitude for the good things that He received and all that He had received in God's Word leading up to that. Zero gratitude for that. Zero affection towards God, and yet there is a kind of affection and desire that is so for His brothers. Isn't it fascinating? How about relationships going maybe the other direction, mm-hmm. where I, I've heard some people express a fear that what would it feel like in heaven mm-hmm. to be in the presence of God, but know that someone that I love is not there? I'm like, not ready to answer that question. <laughs> uh, I will answer it, but I want to go. I don't feel like we're done with the previous one, and at least I don't feel done with it. Okay, um, say what you would and, like to and, say. And that's here's what I'd say. It is above my pray grade to say who's in heaven and who's in hell. Mm. And if Jesus said someone's in heaven, then I trust that they're there, <laughs> right? Abraham's there. <laughs> I, I I trust him with that. Um, for a discussion another time, I think Nebuchadnezzar is there. But uh... <laughs> Oh, that'd be fun. I can't wait to dig into that one. <laughs> yeah, based on Daniel 4, I think Nebuchadnezzar's there. Anyway, but uh, I that's a major rabbit trail. Let me just tamp, <laughs> Let me just tamp that down. It's above my pay grade to say who is not in heaven. Mm. That's not for me to decide. Mm -hmm. I know how to get to heaven. 
I know how to be in God's presence. It is the door. <laughs> it is the way of Jesus Christ. Yeah. It is him and him alone. So if someone is in him, they are good. They are safe. They are secure in Christ. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say who's out. That's for God to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone, I, I mean, we have enough to know if someone utterly rejects God, refuses to bend a knee to Jesus, refuses to trust in him, they're not in him. Mm-hmm. And they won't be with him for all eternity. But I don't know what was going on in someone's heart and mind. I don't know if God in his grace, I don't know. I don't know if in his grace, in someone's last moment of clarity, mm-hmm. before the final heartbeat, mm-hmm. before the final thought, before the final breath, mm-hmm. if there's another opportunity for them to say in that moment, in a sense, like the thief on the cross. Yeah. Will you remember me? Yeah. I just don't know. Um, and I hold out hope. And I don't hold out that hope because there is a clear verse that says, God meets people with this grace. I just know that God is incredibly good. And he's a whole lot more patient and kind than I am. And I don't know that your grandmother did not get that opportunity. I would never want to give someone a foundation to hope in that. Hope is in Christ and in his goodness and his kindness and his justice and his love and his grace that is clearly revealed in his life and taught in scripture. I just don't know. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to make any final pronouncements. That's God's job. That's not my job. Mm. My job is to proclaim the good news. Mm -hmm. And so I just don't know. (laughs) None of us know. Yeah. That's between God and them. So let's well, that's be very let's, encouraging. Let's just be hesitant. Mm-hmm. Let's just be humble with 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 making making pronouncements. And you know, if that person loved you and they know what waits on the other side, they would want you to be ready because they love you. Mm-hmm. They want you to choose what's best and true. Mm-hmm. They want you to have life. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. I appreciate that you perspective bet. and that reminder and mm-hmm. That is a good thing to keep at the forefront of our mind as mm-hmm. we are thinking about matters as weighty as sure. the afterlife that that we can't possibly know and mm-hmm. we can't begin to put ourselves in the position of thinking that we can understand things that that only God can understand. Can we talk to real quick before we go to your next your your next question? Can we talk to the college version of me? <laughs> I'd love to hear this. The college version of me would have said. I was a theology major, and man, I knew a whole lot more back then than I do now. Um, I should go back and ask <laughs> me for advice. Isn't it sad how it works that way? <laughs> the college version of me would say, sounds like you're downplaying the reality of sin and God's right to judge people. No, not at all. Sin's a huge deal. Tried to, <laughs> tried to be very clear about that. This is why we're talking about hell in the first place. God owes me nothing. He owes me nothing. Mm. He doesn't owe any of us anything. Um, but the college version of me, the not yet appreciating the gentleness and the graciousness and the kindness of Jesus, that version of me probably liked the idea of other people getting what they deserve Mm. a little too much and not realizing that I wasn't getting what I deserved Mm. and under, under appreciating that a little too much. Mm -hmm. And certainly God doesn't owe us anything. He has the right and it is good for him to hold us accountable. And sometimes 
I just sense this. Sometimes I sense this, that there are some of us who are like, well, I love grace and I want to celebrate grace and I'm glad I've got grace. But if God really goes out of his way to make it really easy for that person, even though they don't deserve it, I'm kind of disappointed in that. Mm. That was the attitude of the older brother and the prodigal son. Sure it was. In that parable. I don't want to be the older brother. Yeah. And I used to be the older brother. And sometimes I see the older brother in me and I just want that older brother to be gone. I want mm. him to be crucified with Christ and I want to be... I want to be more like Jesus and less like the older brother. <laughs> I hope it is that when we are in heaven, that we are so overwhelmed with the incredible fortune that we've been given to mm-hmm. be in God's presence. Oh, yeah. That those kinds of thoughts and feelings will just melt away. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that we'll be so aware of our own undeserving nature of what God has given us that uh, that it won't be in our thought in the sense of what is just or 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 did someone else get what they deserved? Sure. But we'll just be overwhelmed with the beauty of God's love and graciousness towards oh, yeah. us. It's going to be full of delight and joy. I know that there's going to be tears. Revelation talks about him wiping our tears away. There will be a time that all grieving ends and joy never will. Joy will never end, mm-hmm. but all grieving will. Mm-hmm. Totally different topic. Did, we didn't even answer that question. I, th- I think we've touched on enough that gives us okay, some thoughts great. on that. Let's let's move forward a little bit. We have a number of people in our congregation who come to us from a variety of church backgrounds. I love that about our church. I do, too. I it, love it that. It adds a definite richness to the kinds of conversations that we can have and the way we can work through different things. Uh, but in one of the conversations I had with someone in the lobby this past weekend, they were asking for a little bit more clarity on the concept of purgatory. Mm-hmm. And if people came to us from a Catholic background in particular, that's probably something that they were wondering about. Sure, I can understand that. And I'm not, I I don't feel comfortable kind of getting into the origins of that, of that perspective. It is, it's, it's a part of Catholic tradition and Catholic doctrine and teaching. You're not going to find it in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to find it in in in, in the in the in the Old Testament. We are doing our best. Um, obviously, the things that I teach, I think I'm right about. <laughs> um, if I thought that I was wrong, I'd repent and change. At least I hope that. At least well, I, I'm glad at least to hear I you say that. that. I, at least I hope that I would. And if I'm wrong on something, man, and I could be, um, I really, I I really want to know, and I and I really want to make it right. But our intent is to to just to teach the Bible and to stand on it and to not add to it. Mm-hmm. And the idea of purgatory is something that was added many years, many years later, and we just don't believe that that's something that is that is taught in God's Word. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's not, and let me be really clear, just for the sake of clarity, not trying to be offensive, but just want to be really clear. We're not saying maybe it's there and God's Word's just not clear about it. We're saying it is not a reality. It is not a part of, of what anyone experiences. It is appointed man wants to die, and then the judgment. Um, you will either be with God for all eternity in his presence in heaven or separated from him mm-hmm. for all eternity in, in hell. That is the reality. There's not another option there. How, how about this one? This is maybe kind of an offshoot of this line of thinking of purgatory. And in several cultures, mm-hmm. it's a practice to pray for the souls of the dead. Sure. Is that a practice that has any scriptural basis? Uh, no, 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 it's not. And and listen, I'm trying to be clear. Um, I'm not trying to be dismissive. And if somebody feels like, man, you just dismissed my heritage, you mm. just dismissed my my tradition. That's not my intent. My intent is I'm trying to be clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are, and I was talking to somebody this weekend right after the message, uh, they're they're bringing their different faith tradition mm-hmm. understanding. 
And what we talked about was, okay, so now we're at, okay, this is what that tradition says. This is what we're, we're teaching. We're trying to, we're doing our best to, to teach to teach God's word with fidelity and, and with accuracy. And so now you're at a point, what authority do you trust? Mm-hmm. And we're not, uh, everything that we do at Autumn Ridge really is an invitation. It's not an expectation. I'm not trying to impose on you. So now you're in a position of which which authority are you going to trust? If you're listening to me talk about purgatory and you're like, I don't know that I'm ready to, to, to drop the idea of purgatory. Well, the ball's in your court. Now the time is to study. Where does that come from? You owe it to you to know where your ideas come from. If they're rooted in something other than God's word, you have to decide, are you willing to trust that more than you trust God's word? Mm. So I'm not trying to be dismissive. I'm trying to be clear and I'm inviting you into what might be a longer and perhaps a rigorous process, but you are worth it. Don't dismiss it. Don't be casual about it. You and your life and your eternity are worth it. So dig in. Before we run out of time completely, there's one more question that I've been wanting to ask you since I've heard these messages preached over and over and over again. This you had past to sit weekend. through it like four times. I got it four times. We do. But... <laughs> People don't know. I preach it to to the staff on Thursday. And you Which guys, is awesome. You guys give me feedback. And, and yeah, yeah, and people should understand when you give that run through to the staff, it's not just so you can practice in mm-hmm. front of us. You open yourself up to some rather uh, brutal and sometimes very direct everybody, <laughs> feedback. Everybody who, who speaks uh, in a weekend service does that. And we literally pass out hard hats. <laughs> we, have, we have like construction uh, hard hats that you bring because, you know, Falling egos all over the place yeah. when you're doing that. And you guys will say, hey, that's not clear. <laughs> I need more clarity on that. Or don't tell that joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the hard hats do offer a very good perspective and frame of mind oh, to be yeah. in when you're yeah. in that position. So yeah. we do appreciate you doing that. But anyway, you had to sit through it four times. And I yeah. appreciate well, that. Well, I wouldn't even say had to sit through. I thought it was an outstanding message on a very difficult topic. Uh, but uh, the way that you ended this message mm. with a rather radioactive question, mm. and just in case anyone doesn't remember that, you asked us, are there people in hell more committed to sharing the gospel than some people who are on their way to heaven? Yeah. And you drew this out of the Luke 16 passage with the comment of this rich man who was expressing concern for his brothers. It's a it's a hard question to wrestle with. And yeah. then when you pushed us that much further mm-hmm. to, to examine our own hearts and to be honest with ourselves about the last time that we were involved in bringing someone to faith, yeah, that was a powerful moment. Yeah. Um, the question was, when was the last time you played a role mm-hmm. in leading someone uh, to know and follow Jesus? Mm-hmm. And we just let it hang there for a while. Uh, that was by design. Um, because I want people to think, when was the last time? Um, and then the follow-up to that is, if you can't remember, if you're struggling to answer, is it possible? And again, let me just reiterate now, this is not a shaming question. I don't want anybody to feel shame. Um, it's okay to feel conviction. It's okay to say, you know what? There's some things that I'm wrong about, and I want to be aligned with the truth. That's a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's actually joy in conviction because it's a sign that God loves you enough and his spirit is active in your life, wooing you to align with his word and Absolutely. with the truth. He disciplines those he loves. That's right. So no shame here. No shame. But the question is, from a place of gentleness, 
are you living your life as though maybe hell isn't real? Yeah. And it's a hard question. And I would love to hear you say a little bit more about yeah. practically speaking, sure. what does that look like? So for all of us who did feel convicted in mm-hmm. that moment and we think, okay, I need to do something about that and live my life with mm-hmm. the reality of hell, mm-hmm. not as something that I want to tamp down and pretend like isn't true, but is there. What what does that look like? Yeah, I, this is a good question. And this is probably deserving of a whole other episode maybe even a whole message series. Mm. Because if you come from a church background like I did, um, it, it's easy to go to. Well, it sounds like either I need to be a pastor or missionary or start imposing conversations on people whether they want to listen and talk or not. <laughs> um, well, that's not it. And the question is, crafted intentionally, when was the last time you played a role? Yeah, and There's a lot of ways to play a role. Not everybody gets to be the person who is there with someone in the moment when they say, no, I trust in Jesus and I want to give him my life. Mm. But we can all play a role. And, um, and I don't want to make this so abstract that it becomes meaningless. Mm-hmm. The role needs to be meaningful. Uh, the role, praying for people who you know don't know Jesus. Yeah. And let's start there. That's very important. I got people important. that I pray for. Mm-hmm. Um, inviting those people uh, to come with you to church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm convinced that people share what they love with who they love. And I believe that we are a church full of welcoming, kind, loving people, that it is a it's a positive experience to be here. And that's the kind of feedback that I'm getting from people, even from people who are saying, I don't know if I've followed Jesus yet, but this is this is a good place to 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 be around. Um, I, I I hang around with a, with a group of guys on, on Tuesday nights who um, who rave about what their experience is mm. like here. Wonderful. And so invite your friend to come with you, and then um, say, "I'd love to hear more. I'd love to hear what your response is. I, I just just listen to them. Mm-hmm. Just talk, pray for them, invite them, um, share directly." And explicitly, when you have the opportunity to mm-hmm. um, give the I, reason for the hope that you—that's right. I grew up in a culture of where you just tell people whether they want to listen or not. <laughs> um, okay, but uh, you know what? If people aren't listening, then what am I doing? I haven't really accomplished anything other than making myself feel a little bit more virtuous. Yeah, and maybe frustrating them. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, and probably making it harder for them to listen the next yeah, time. True. Um, so. One of the ways, one of the ways that you know that people um, are listening and that they want to talk is they ask questions. Mm-hmm. And I want to live my wa- life in a way that inspires curiosity. Mm. And there are times, listen, there are times that I quote scripture, but I don't actually necessarily say that I'm quoting scripture. I remember one time sitting with some friends and we're talking and going back and forth, and we were sharing about some family hurts that we had, and and they were they were expressing. <laughs> how they were responding to that and and I just said, you know, um I'm trying to be I'm trying to be I'm trying to live with forgiveness. I read somewhere that uh, that it's better to forgive. And so that's was I'm just trying to I want to live my life free of bitterness. And they said, "All right, I need to hear a little bit more about that." Hmm. Right? And I could have quoted a scripture to them or could have said, "You know Jesus says, but if I did that, a wall would have gone up. Mm-hmm. But you know what happened? <laughs> they were actually hearing the word of God without sure. realizing they were hearing the word of God. The truth and it of opened, his word spoke through it. And mm-hmm. it opened the door for me to give where that came from and to talk about that it, it's based on what I've learned from Christ yeah. and his word. Well, and in doing it that way, it's not manipulative. You're mm-hmm. just letting the truth of that shine through you and you're demonstrating how it impacted sure. you in your life. 
Now, let me risk sounding like a weirdo. <laughs> there are times I'm driving around town. Um, there are times that I'm in the grocery store, and I just <clears throat> I pause and I look around, and I'm just wondering how many of these people know Christ. Mm-hmm. If uh, if Jesus called time on history today, and this is when He returned, or if for some reason they didn't make it home from wherever they were, yeah, what would their eternity be? And uh, I've I've resolved to spend the rest of my life doing the best that I can to make that message clear so that they have every opportunity available to them to be able to respond to Jesus. Mm. It grips me. Um, it's why I do what I do. It's why I live where I live. I don't want to live in a place um, where uh, the gospel isn't needed mm. or it's kind of oversaturated. We're, this is an internationally important city. As weird as it may be, <laughs> surrounded by cornfields. This is an internationally important city. We have all kinds of people coming in and going out yeah. um, uh, out of the city. This is, a, this is a city that has the opportunity to have significant impact on the kingdom. This is why I am here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the reasons that I fell in love with Autumn Ridge, uh, the weekend that I candidated. And, they, and we talked about it at the very end of the big Q&A, why here, why this church, why now? This is it. Mm-hmm. We have a tremendous opportunity. God has, God has placed us here, um, and God has given this church a tremendous track record, tremendous influence in a city with influence, and I want to seize it, mm. right? And so if you're just struggling, if you're listening to me right now and you're struggling to know how to engage with this, just start with this. Just pray for people that you care about. And if you say, I don't know people, I don't have any friends, I don't know anybody who's not a believer, you need to expand your circle, right? (laughs) So start with this, God, help me to meet people. And I want you to put on a smile, and I want you to go and just try and connect with people. Mm -hmm. And uh, put yourself in environments where you have the opportunity uh, to meet people, and listen to them, pray for them, be a tremendous friend, and earn their trust and earn the right to be able to talk about what's revolutionized your life. Mm. I think let's end it there, Rick. This has been a really helpful conversation. I think it's been an encouraging conversation. It's been more upbeat than I even imagined that it would be as we uh, came down to talk about the reality of hell. Uh, This has been a delight to the day, and I hope it blesses all of the people listening as well with some encouragement and some inspiration surrounding a very powerful topic. Well, I'm going to end with this. If you are within driving distance of Autumn Ridge, we want you to join us for Good Friday. We have two services. We want to see you on Easter. We've got three services available for you. If you don't live uh, within driving distance of Autumn Ridge, uh, find a church and go celebrate this Easter Sunday. Mm -hmm. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, Rick. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Church is Messy with Rick Henderson. Church is Messy is a registered trademark of Rick Henderson, and this podcast is produced by Robert Nash. Our sound engineer is Josiah Novinger. Our theme song is Bring It. Follow us on Instagram at ARC underscore R-O-C-H. Email us with any questions you might have or topics you would like explored in future episodes at churchismessy at autumnridgechurch.org. For more information on Autumn Ridge Church in Rochester, Minnesota, please visit us online at autumnridge.church. Thank you for listening.